0: him uh, him there are bibles under your pew chair near you what did i do oh up to sixth grade is dismissed that's not normal but if you're uh, fourth fifth and sixth grade you can also be dismissed at this point okay looks like they already left okay Psalm 127, there should be a Bible under a pew chair near you. If you brought your Bible, uh, open it. If not, uh, you'll find the Bible verses will be on the screen behind me. The next, uh, and I can promise you it'll be less than 20 minutes, Uh, we're going to look at these five verses. They deal with our dependence on God. Not only as a family, not only as a person, but as a society with our government and everything else. Uh, I've entitled it, Unless the Lord. There are lots of things we can do in life. And we can do them on our own power. And it's possible to do them. Except they all land up being the key word in the whole passage. And that is vain, worthless, empty, coming to nothing. Because unless God is the one working in us and through us, everything we do lands up being nothing. Whether it's a parent, whether it's a pastor, uh, whether it's a worker, it doesn't matter. It still comes to nothing. So I would turn your attention, if you would please, to our first point and we're going to look at Psalm 127 verse 1. It says there, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. God requires people to have responsibility. Notice, he doesn't say, the Lord is the only one doing anything. It's like, I can be lazy and I can slack off and God will do everything. Just kind of let go and let God and, you know, God will do everything. He never has given us that command. He said, you have responsibility. You need to be obedient. You need to do what I've asked you to do. On the other hand, if you do it in your own power, and you think you can do it by yourself, it's not going to work. Because God has designed us to live by faith, to trust Him, and allowing Him to work in us. God wants to work in every aspect of our life. Now, it says, unless the Lord builds a house. I used to work construction for 13 years before I was a pastor, I worked in construction. I did a little bit of just about anything. And I know one thing. Never did I show up in the morning and the boss just go, go do something today. Never worked that way. Because if you're going to construct an actual physical house, there was a blueprint. And the blueprint gave instructions. Without that, everybody would be swinging their hammer in the wrong direction and you'd have chaos. Chaos. The next thing that was absolutely necessary was that there would be materials there, and you would come, and there'd be a pile of plywood, or joists, or two-by-fours, or shingles, or drywall, whatever it happened to be, and you knew those were the materials that you were going to use that day. And then there was one other thing that was absolutely necessary, because if you just took a bunch of guys, gave them hammers, saws, and other equipment, uh, again, Everybody would be doing their own thing. There had to be some direction, a manager, and uh, it all had to work together. Well, when we build a family, that's exactly the same thing that needs to be done. We need to, need, we need to know the needs of a family, of children, of husbands, of wives. We need to prepare to be able to carry that out, and then we literally have to carry out those solutions In building a family, it's more than just mouths are fed and clothes is washed. By the way, if you're a mom, you can identify with that. Uh, My wife used to say, you know, I only have two hands. I could use three. I need 26 hours in the day. I understand that. Doing two and three things at once uh, is not uncommon for people who are raising a family. But we only do have 24 hours and we only do have two hands and we do need to sleep occasionally and all those things. But our children and our families need spiritual input. They need intellectual input. They obviously need physical, they have physical needs. I remember as by way of illustration, when my children were younger in the summertime, we had a sheet that we posted on the refrigerator and each of the four children, by the way, Missy is my oldest daughter, oldest kid, actually. Um, and we would have posted there, here is what you need to do today. And by the way, when mom comes home for lunch, when lunch is over, she will take you to the Middletown pool. If you have completed your tasks. And we had spiritual Input And they had to read their Bible, have their own personal devotions. We had devotions as a family, too. But over the summer, they had their own personal devotions where they read the Bible themselves. They also had to do something intellectual. Many times that was reading a book, but they could get permission to do a science project or whatever they wanted to do that lasted across the summer. And then, of course, the physical. If you're part of a family, you have responsibilities. And yes, they had chores. Uh, they would have to weed the garden. Oh, they really loved that one. Uh, They would have to uh, wash the car, fold the wash, vacuum the floors. You name it, whatever needed to be done in a household, they were required to do that. And if they did it, uh, they were able to continue on for the rest of the day. But if you're going to build a life and build a family, you have to have those inputs. And I encourage you, I am so thankful that you have agreed for your children to be a part of the release time program, but I encourage you, encourage you that you also, as parents, the kids are gone now, so I'm just talking to the parents, is I want to encourage you to be an example to them, not just sign on the dot line and say, it's okay for Missy and Mr. Brooke and others to teach them and Hannah to teach them, but that you would take the lead and take time every week to fellowship with the church if you're already fellowshipping with a with a bible teaching gospel preaching church praise the lord keep doing that if you don't have one by way of advertisement we're here every sunday morning unless we get snowed out or some other wild thing happens we're here we encourage you to come be a part of that be an example to them Don't just say, this is what you ought to do. Don't say, well, there's chores to do, go do them. Work with them. Help them do their homework and their intellectual things. And by all means, be an example of someone who wants to, as Will challenge us, worship the Lord and learn what God has to say from us, from the Word of God. Lead them in those types of things. But he says, you can do all those things. You can go through the motions unless you're trusting God to work through you it still will come to nothing but we have a second point in this and that's also in verse one unless the Lord guards the city the watchman keeps awake in vain the whole concept of guarding the city comes from the fence of thorns and in many countries they still take thorn bushes they actually plant them or take the branches and make a corral to keep their livestock in to keep the predators out They have a natural, God-given barbed wire fence. I grew up on a farm, and we use barbed wire. Cows get against it, people get against it, and they back off. If they don't, they're hurting badly. And we also use it in other ways to keep inmates in and people out where they don't belong because barbed wire does that kind of thing. It is a very good deterrent. And it says here, unless the Lord is the one that's the hedge around the city, or the family for that matter, the wrong things will get in, the wrong things will get out. We need to understand that. And then it goes on to say that the watchman, unless the Lord is the one providing the hedge, the fence... The watchman keeps awake in vain. A watchman, as this photograph uh, shows, was one that would stand on the, the wall of the city or the tower on the city wall and be scanning the horizon for those that would do harm to the city. And if he saw someone that was going to bring harm or he thought there was danger, he would blow the trumpet, sound the alarm, and the people would have opportunity to respond. Now, if he fell asleep and didn't sound the alarm, he was guilty of being negligent. Blood was required of him. On the other hand, if he sounded the alarm and the people said, we don't care, we want to do our own thing, we can handle it, why bother? And the enemy comes, it's not his fault, it's their fault because they didn't respond. Their blood is on their own head. But he said, even if this watchman does his job to the very best, God is not protecting the city. It's still in vain. I promised you that there were at least three. And notice it says in verse 2 it is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Now, this verse is not teaching us to be lazy or negligent because. Other places in scripture are very, very clear. We are to work diligently and work hard. Nothing wrong with hard work. In fact, that's a good thing. But if we believe that just by our hard work, we can make life work, we're mistaken. It still comes to vanity, emptiness. It becomes futile. We need God to work in our lives whether it's spiritually or any other way in fact is some of you men I had the ladies on earlier but some of you men feel like you're in that hamster cage it's just like you're working double shifts and you're working and working and working seem never to get caught up God doesn't say don't work hard he just simply says if you think you can meet all the needs of your family or your own needs on your own strength you're mistaken Only God can do that. In fact, look what it says at the end of that verse. It simply says, for he gives to his beloved in his sleep. That doesn't say sleep all the time. It simply says there is a time to work hard, but God ultimately is the one that gives us what we need. That is not only true physically for a paycheck and to pay the food bills and the rent and the light bill and all those kinds of things, but it's also true spiritually. In fact, it is in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it tells us that we're justified by faith and then we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not familiar with biblical words, theological words, justified simply means this, declared right before God. And the only way we can have peace with God, harmony and tranquility with God, only way that we can have what God has to offer in love toward us, that salvation, forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven, a life worth living, is by trusting Him. Because we're justified by faith, by trusting what Jesus Christ has done for us. We just came through Easter. Most people in the United States know the Easter story. Jesus Christ, a perfect, sinless man, God in the flesh, died on a cruel Roman cross, not for his own sins, because he was perfect, but he took your sin and my sin on himself. That was the horrible part of the cross. Oh, his cruel punishment. It was a horrible death. But my sin and your sin on Jesus Christ was the most agonizing part of that. He died in our place and completely satisfied God's holiness, completely paid the price of our sin with his blood on the cross. How do I know that to be true? Because three days later, the tomb that we've been singing about was empty. And the stone was rolled away. Stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. He was out before the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away so we could see that he had risen from the dead. What does that prove? Why is that important? Why is the resurrection so, so valuable? Simply this. Because if Jesus Christ did not pay for every single sin in all of the world in all time like he said he would... God the Father would not have raised him from the dead. See, the resurrection simply proves this, that sin and death had been conquered and there was victory over both of them for all time. The resurrection proves that God was satisfied. Sin was paid for. Death was conquered. That is where we come in. That's what we teach your children in Um, i almost said vacation bible school that's what we ended with release time we do that in vacation bible school too and in our sunday school classes but we teach them that you know what you can't be at peace with god by trying your best think about it some of you've been around for a while and you have resolved over and over again to do better and then you fall back and then you try again and again jesus christ once for all time paid for our sin And by trusting him, what he has done on our behalf, applying it to our lives, we can have peace with God. In fact, as the passage I referred to goes on to say, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Those that didn't have anything to do with God. And then it goes on to say, but God demonstrates or shows his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. He didn't say, clean up your act and then I'll do something nice for you. He said, no, while you're still missing the mark, that's what sin means, missing the mark, trying to do things your own way. He said, I died for you while you were helpless. You couldn't do anything for yourself, but I did it all for you. That's the good news. That's the gospel, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf for our sin. If you've never trusted Christ, by all means, talk to myself or or Pastor John or the other men. Talk to Brooke, Missy, and we would be glad to show you how you can know for sure that Christ is your Savior, that heaven is your home, and that here and now you have a life worth living. But that's only half of this psalm. The last three verses say this, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. We take children very seriously because God takes children very seriously. That's why we spend a lot of resources and have a lot of people here at the church that work with our children because they're important. Why? They are an inheritance that God has given us to raise on his behalf for a few years. And by the way, those 16, 18 years go really, really quick. But we have a responsibility to raise them for the Lord. We need to make sure that we do what God shows us here. He says our children are like an arrow in the hand of a warrior. A warrior is going to be one who checks his weapon or maybe even in those days made his weapon. And he made sure his bow was strong enough to send that arrow with force. He made sure the arrows were straight and had the right end on them, the tip on them so that it would cut through and do damage and had feathers to keep it stabilized. And then he would practice until he got really good at it. And then he would make sure that he had plenty of arrows so that when he got in a tough time when he had to use them, he could prevail in battle. But he learned to aim them, give them direction. And he says for us as parents, our job, our responsibility that can only be done with God's help is to take our children, and aim them in the right direction. See, in the end, it says this. It says, they, that is the children, will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Because if we have done our job as parents, we can not only direct our children and aim our children, but we can release our children, and that's what you do when you do archery. You release the arrow, And we can know that they are equipped, ready, and able to be able to face the enemies. Those enemies are the temptations of this world, their own limitations, others who would do them harm included. All kinds of things come their way. But my job as a parent, your job as a parent, is to make sure that we have equipped them, given them direction, that we've given them practice you know, of making right choices, and then we can with confidence release them. But that can only be done if the Lord is the one who's in control. We need to make sure that we give them spiritual input. I was so glad they sang that song uh, from Matthew chapter 6 where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all the other things of the world will be added. Why? Because the focus needs to be on spiritual things. A lot of times that's the last thing. We're like that man who's running on the hamster cage, like the moms who's got, you know, everything going all at one time. And we're like, oh man, getting to church getting the kids the youth group uh, you know having devotions with the kids being an example i'm just too tired oh granted you're tired i i saw my wife when we had four young kids it's tiring and it's tiring for the dad and it's hard to pay all the bills and some of you are single parents and that's even double now it's more than double tough i mean it's really hard but i will tell you god's promise is this is when we put the kingdom of God. When we put Christ, when we put spiritual things first, then He works in our lives to carry out those other things. We also need to teach them very practical things, like their life actually does count. In Proverbs chapter twenty, verse eleven, it says, "This it is by his deeds that a child distinguishes himself, is if his conduct is pure and right." See, our children even have a reputation. We have a responsibility of aiming them and instructing them and directing them. And we also need to give them practical things. For example, in the book of Proverbs, it also says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. We need to teach them about practical things, about how to use money wisely and those types of things. How to work hard and diligently. How to be faithful. How to have character in life. That's my responsibility as a parent. Do we do those things here at the church? The answer is, of course we do. Do they try to do them in school and in other organizations? The answer is, of course they do. But ultimately, it comes down to mom and dad, the family, to aim them, to direct them, and to release them so that they can, with full confidence, stand before the world. And we can know that they're going to make the right choices. That's a big assignment. God has given us approximately 18 years to carry that out. But we need to take those 16, 18 years, and we need to make sure that we are diligent in doing that. If we can help you in any way to carry that out, please let us know. We'll do our best. I don't know what we can do, but uh, uh, we can't do everything for you, but we can help you, equip you, give you information Uh, instruction. We can help you to be the parent that God wants you to be. I encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ, he is the only one that can forgive your sin. He's the only one that can provide the power to carry this out, the wisdom to carry it out, and he's given us the word of God. Maybe your Bible is dusty. Dust it off, open the pages, start reading. I'd encourage you just start reading in the book of Proverbs. It's so practical. It gives you the information you need for your life as well as your child's life. And remember, telling them do what God says is not a bad thing, but seeing it in you is the one that really makes the impact let's all stand together as we're dismissed with the word of prayer dear heavenly father i do thank you that you're a god that absolutely cares about us you've loved us while we were sinners you sent jesus christ to die for our sin to pay the full price Lord, I pray that if you've worked in someone's life convicted, that they need help uh, to know about salvation, to know about raising children, whatever it is, that you would uh, give them the, the conviction to, to talk to someone, to talk to God, to pray, and ask Christ to forgive them, or ask for encouragement or instruction in raising children. Lord, we thank you that we've had this opportunity. Thank you for the release time program, and for the impact that it has on our young people. And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to use it. But most of all, use us as parents to raise our children so that they can stand in the gate and not be ashamed. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go with God.